The Rose Bowl Legacy Foundation preserves, protects, and enhances the future of the Rose Bowl Stadium as a national historic landmark. America's Stadium has hosted two Olympic Games, with a third one coming in 2028, two World Cup Finals, five Super Bowls, and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl since 1923. It is the epic center of college football and is the most iconic stadium in the world. To learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, visit www.inspire, which spells inspire2022.org. Hey, Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello! Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football today with the coach, Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, harveyhyde.com, to get all of his takes. If you have any questions or comments for our show, we love appreciate that. We try to drive the show with the user-driven contents, all of the listeners, what they want to uh, have us talk about out there. That's what we try to do, podcast at uscfootball.com. Dot com is the email address, or if you'd rather call or text us, the number is 424-254-9141. If you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or any of the podcasting platforms, we do appreciate a uh, five-star rating. Positive reviews always are helpful. So thank you for doing that. It really helps to grow the show. Well, let's bring in the coach, Harvey Hyde. We, uh, you know, some stuff we got to talk about today, some unfortunate news, and maybe some a little more pessimistic view towards the football season, but we'll we'll get it with that in a second with the coach. Welcome in. How are you doing today, coach? Uh, thank you very much, buddy. You know, last week and the week before, I had both ankles taped, and today I only have one ankle taped, and we'll talk about that a little bit sooner, but you always tape your ankles before you go to practice or start a football season, but we'll get into that, but I want to welcome everybody. I hope you've been safe out there. I hope you all had a great Father's Day weekend or father's day and i uh, want to say happy father's day to all of you yeah happy father's day to you coach and all the fathers out there hope you guys all had a good one um i was out there's funny coach on friday i was out uh hiking with a couple of buddies one of my friends he's a big usc fan and, and another friend and we climbed up uh mount baldy which was cool i felt like a good accomplishment i've been wow. doing a lot of hiking lately and then uh just shocking news uh over the weekend uh after my hike uh max turek so you might remember him came in the usc back in 2012 uh santa margarita high school and uh one of the top offensive linemen missed uh the second half of his year with a, a knee his senior year with a, a knee injury but played all over the line uh ended up being uh, i think it was a third round draft pick after four years at usc so he passed away uh so suddenly he was on a family hike on saturday uh out in the cleveland national forest his family said it was his favorite trail and uh he just died suddenly and it's just such unfortunate news you saw a lot of people on twitter and and other you know people mentioning it just how sad it was 
He had 38 straight starts when he was at USC, uh, four different positions, uh, just been a power, you know, Trojan family. It was a lot of uncertainty when he was going on. And he had like four different head coaches while it was, it was really that crazy time with the, you know, Kiffin, Sark, Orgeron, uh, Helton, like all the different guys that he had to, you know, was coached under. Um, just a really unfortunate situation. And, uh, you know, for a 26 year old kid, play, you know, played for a couple of years in the NFL. Um, man, it was just, just like a gut punch to hear about, especially because I've been trying to do a lot more hiking lately. And, you know, someone like that, you know, not that far removed from the NFL, you know, he's got to be in good shape and to just to die suddenly like that with his family, just, it was so sad, especially on a uh, father's day weekend. You know, uh, first of all, I want to pass on my condolences to the USC family and, of course, his family. Whenever you lose someone, it's uh, it's really tough, especially someone you love and you've been around and you recognize. Of course, a lot of us don't know the family or know him personally, but you learn to respect people for what they do and what they accomplish and so on when they set certain goals and they reach those goals. And then, unfortunately, for some reason, one or another, they lose the opportunity of really enjoying what they really worked so hard to get. And uh, I've had players that uh, have passed, and uh, yeah, I just look and say, my gosh, it's such a shame. And this guy, a family man, a hard worker, everything to live for and to have something like that happen, especially when you know it's not expected. It's more of a shock than anything else to everyone, yet it's still a, a tragedy. So uh, I don't know what else to say except my condolences to the SC family, to all his teammates, uh, to uh, everyone out there as far as the passing of Max. It's terrible. It is. And uh, if uh, my friend uh, Elisa Deratola, you might know her from Rain of Troy, she's been doing a lot of hiking too, tweeted out, that that's something that she's going to think about on her next big hike, uh, next go, you know going out there. And I'm going to do the same. Uh, when you're out there, I'll, I'll definitely think of the time. Uh, you know, it was great uh, covering Max Turek. Uh, he was just a great kid to talk to, and someone always just enjoyed to interview. And it's just sad, uh, but I'll definitely be thinking about him on my next hike, and probably for the rest of the year. Uh, there's a few quotes that are out there from different people on social media. Tim Drevno, his former coach. He said, my thoughts and prayers are with the Turk family throughout these trying times. Max was an unbelievable player, leader, and teammate. He embodied what it is to be a Trojan. I was honored to coach and be around such an amazing spirit. Um, so as far as like the players, former players and teammates, Dion Bailey, I think was the first one that we saw tweeted out. He said, just got some terrible news. Damn man, RIP Max Turk gone too soon. Former punter Chris Alvarado said, I thought 2020 couldn't get much worse. RIP to one of the most passionate teammates. And then Connor Spears, he said, uh, stunned, gone way too soon. Max was an incredible teammate and one of the greatest leaders I was fortunate enough to play alongside. Rest easy, Max, you will be missed. So a lot of condolences, a lot of former players just talking about, you know, former coaches talking about Max. And, you know, for a 26-year-old coach, yeah, like I, I like what uh, – you know what they said as far as like, man, could 2020 get much worse? Like this just seems to be bad thing after bad thing. No, I agree with you. And it present Kobe when it, and it basically all started with Kobe when Kobe perished. And yeah. Since that period of time, my goodness, all that, you know, the virus, this, that, everything that's been going on it. Yeah. 220 will be remembered. Believe me. 
for a long period of time. It will be called that year, 2020. Yeah, 2020 uh, has been a rough one. Uh, Coley in Iowa texted in. Uh, he's our resident Notre Dame fan that likes to uh, call in for the different shows. He said, my deepest sympathies to Trojan Nation tonight. So sorry for your loss. A candle will be lit. Thanks, Coley, for that. And we we saw, you know, USC tweeted out from their athletic account, USC Athletics account, about the the news. And UCLA responded. Um, you know, we saw other programs respond to things and send their condolences. So um, just unfortunate. So we, we don't know much more at, at this point. Um, it just happened a couple of days ago. But uh, if there's any kind of memorial or any kind of online thing that people can kind of get involved with, we will pass along that information uh, as it comes out. And uh, yeah, so I definitely be thinking of Max next time uh, I go on a hike. Been doing them pretty regularly lately, so uh, I'll uh, I'll definitely keep him and his family in my thoughts and prayers. And uh, when you go out there and climbing those mountains, so uh, th- thanks again for everyone just for dealing with that. I'm sorry that uh, sorry it's a, some bad news to start the show, but we needed to mention that because uh, you know Max was around. We were around Max for four years when he was at USC, and just someone that we always enjoyed talking with. Um, no, I'm glad you did. And I actually found out from you, uscfootball.com, uh, when you sent that out, Ryan. So I want to thank you for notifying me. Oh, no problem, Coach. Um, yeah. And uh, we'll let you know if we hear anything else, um, you know, any other details. I know people are asking other things. I, we don't know exactly why. I assume some kind of uh, heart condition or something. It's just we've seen, like, prime athletes uh, just – pass away like that and there's some like kind of heart condition that you didn't know about i don't know if that's the case but we'll we'll see if uh, if anything else comes out from that um coach over the weekend too i did end up writing a story based on what we talked about um last week and one of the things that you had mentioned coach was that you felt that spring football uh, was going to go away and I was like, wow, that's kind of interesting. And, you know, the, the money saving stuff and all of that, like, I guess, you know, it made sense. Um, and I ended up talking to a couple of, uh, in, you know, industry experts that, uh, you know, that I trust their opinions to kind of get their thoughts, like passing along, like, Hey, here's what coach Harvey Hyde had to say. Um, wanted to see what, what they thought about it. Um, so I, I put your statement out there and then our friend Bruce Feldman, uh, he didn't think he said, I don't know if I'd buy that. Um, teams make extensions of spring football now with installs and things like that. I don't see them giving up spring football. Plus they get to bring in recruits and high school coaches and, uh, Barton Simmons, who's a director of scouting at 24 seven sports played, uh, college ball at Yale. He says, uh, as a perspective of a forward player, he looked forward to spring practice. Uh, there were some of the most enjoyable practice of the year because there was more competition, less monotony, monotony and install. So the idea that players and coaches need a break in the spring doesn't ring true to me. Um, he said, I'd be more concerned with burnout if preseason was extended when you consider how long the season is, how much how much time the coaches are away from families and how much injuries can pile up. But he said from a cost perspective, he says there's be a strong case uh, you know, that you could um, improve the quality of living and reduce costs by killing the spring evaluation period. Uh, at least in spring practice, coaches are our home, coaching ball, getting their roster better. I think the current evaluation uh, environment has shown us that schools are still recruiting and evaluating without coaching staffs being gone weeks at a time. So he agrees with you on that point. So I just wanted to kind of pass along what those guys said, Coach, and, and, and get any other thoughts you had. Right. Uh, you know, uh, I threw that out as far as uh, changes, as far as 
to uh, football uh, because of the budget situations. And I think that, you know, as we mentioned last week, we talked about the cuts that are necessary and to, to be able to continue football, especially with the revenue losses and so on. Uh, we can throw out numbers, but the amount of money that they're going to be cut back from the NCAA television money, attendance, uh, concessions, parking, all of the above, that they're going to look at ways to try to save more money and still be uh, uh, have a great football program. And I was just suggesting that as far as what could be possible ways of doing that. Maybe they'll keep uh, the spring practice portion, but maybe they'll eliminate the recruiting portion as far as going on the road and traveling and the expenses of airplane tickets and hotels and rental cars and all of the above and campus visits. So, you know, I'm just looking at it and exploring it as things that people would be looking at as far as ways of saving money and still have a quality football and athletic program. That's basically what I'm getting to. Now, I'm not saying they're definitely going to do it, but I'd say they should definitely look at this because are they really necessary? Does it really make a difference in the game? Uh, all the different things. Are you not going to have as quality a game? I don't believe that. If you come back and get everybody ready to play and everybody's playing at the same rules and regulations and tempo, I think it's fair. I'm not saying that it's going to happen. I'm just saying it's something that you're going to have to examine as far as being able to continue with uh, the budget cuts that are going on and uh, also with salary cuts and all the different other things that will happen. I don't want to mention also there'll be more scholarship cuts, but I don't believe that because you're taking away the opportunity of kids going to, to college, but they've got to find a way to make some cuts. I know, as I mentioned last week, I think I did, that there are some schools out there that if we don't have college football and they have to refund all the money they've already collected as far as for season tickets and promotions and sponsorships and signage and all the things in the stadium, they aren't going to make it. There is no way they can do it. It's impossible. Because the states, too, are down in their revenue and taxes and so on. So it's crucial that people look at ways of trying to save money and also at the same time still have quality programs. That's all I was saying, and I would think that one of those or all of those are possible ideas. Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the whole cost-cutting measures are going to be a reality, especially, well, you know, our next topic about if, if there is no college football season, man, there really could be some some crunched budgets going forward. And I thought it was an interesting, you know, interesting idea for sure. The, the spring evaluation period, I, I think recruiting is probably going to be first to change if people feel like, hey, why don't you just have, you know, virtual meetings with some of these guys and let them... Um, you, you don't need to go out on the road and, and all these visits. Maybe players are allowed to come visit a campus, but not necessarily have the coaches out on the road doing their tour, saving money, saving time there, and, and kind of put less strain on everyone. And, and if you're still having spring football practice, do you allow prospects to come to campus and visit? I, I, I think there's, there's definitely some truth in all of that, Coach, where I feel like there's going to be change. You know, the whole new normal thing, Will it be full on, no more spring practice? I don't know, maybe down the road. I don't see that happening soon, but I could see some of the recruiting stuff change in the short term, maybe even you know aspects of the, the early signing period, which I don't like to begin with. I don't mind an early signing period. I would rather have it be early, early and not 
you know, December early, like right in the middle of everything else that's going on. Um, so I'm curious to see, Coach, what comes of this. But maybe it is some of these changes are on the uh, the recruiting front. And then, you know, maybe down the road they figure out, well, you know, it would be better to structure spring practice this way or this way or move, you know, give yourself some extra time in the fall. I, I don't know. But it seems like these are opportunities now with how everything's weird with the, the quarantine that you can kind of reevaluate stuff and, and maybe make some changes going forward. And I agree with you hundred percent. And it might just be a temporary type of thing until things come back, but you got to make some adjustments. There's no question on that. And you got to look to the forward on ways of continuing with your athletic programs. And you might have to make some cuts you don't want to do or make some rules and regulations you don't want to do. But sometimes, as I used to say, we got to make uh, changes at halftime or we're going to lose the game. And I'm sure that's not what everyone's looking forward to. They want to make sure we have football. They want to make sure we have an athletic department. want to make sure we offer sports to all people that are out there deserving of them. So they're going to have to look at certain things. I remember when you used to be able to give 150 scholarships for football. I think one year Johnny Majors brought in 130 freshman players on scholarship at Pitt. And then they started. And USC used to do the same. John McKay. And I used to say the same at Pasadena City College. I'd rather have them on my team than to play against them. So why not bring them in? So, you know, there's a lot of changes that have been going on. And in the future, there could be more changes and not uh, any changes. But at least I wanted to bring this up as far as a consideration. Yeah. All right. Uh, so you can check that. I, I wrote that article up there. Got some, you know, I quoted what Coach Hyde was saying, and I also quoted uh, – Quick quote from Bruce Feldman, but a little more extensive uh, information from Barton Simmons. So uh, different thoughts on that. Everyone has their opinion. So I just wanted you guys to be able to check that out. Uh, also, Coach, before we jump into the questions, um, personally, I think we're in the same boat. Um, I think I'm in the same boat as you, where I was pretty optimistic that this can happen. What Everything was on schedule. But now a lot of these programs, you're seeing a bunch of positive cases um, you know, obviously there's spikes around the country. There's different, you know, we're getting different data from, uh, all the health experts out there. And I don't know, I'm, I'm becoming a little football. And I think Sean McVay, the, the, the Rams coach said it best. He was trying to understand like, how can you play football and be socially distant? And I, I thought that was understood where if you're actually playing the games, there's no way to be socially distant. Like you're, you're face mask, the face mask lineman, like breathing on each other, spitting at each other. I mean, they're just going at it. And in those trenches piled on top of each other, I just don't think there's going to be, you can't really be socially distant and play football in my opinion, but do you have to be? I don't know. And, and, and all the guidelines that are out there, we're seeing more cases. People are tired after I'm, I was tired of it after three months of, uh, you know, quarantine and all these things. I don't I want to get your thoughts on this as far as like, the future of uh, of this college football season? Are you a little more pessimistic maybe than you were before? Yes, I am, because I always felt there was going to be a college football season because I thought that they would be able to get it organized and uh, people would follow the rules and regulations and so on as far as uh, respecting other people and wearing masks and, you know, do things that you're supposed to do to help uh, not the spreading of, of this virus. But uh, people more or less are uh, out there not protecting themselves or others and you know these people continually uh, do this and 
and they have the right to do whatever they want to do. But if you you worry about your family and you worry about everything else and college football and students, because remember, you can you can quarantine a, a team or you can watch a team, but a team has a social activity too. They go out with people, they go to parties, they go to I'm not saying they go to taverns, but they go to restaurants, they go other places, and they're just not around a team all the time. So they have that chance of catching something, and they bring it back to your team. And you've got to be very careful. As you say, you're, you're having contact all the time. You're with each other all the time. And uh, if it starts, and like a couple of schools have, have uh, mentioned, you know, we have some universities that are mentioning they have 10, 20, some schools suspending uh, their, their drills, uh, 30 uh, type of viruses. If you have that now, what's going to happen down the road when you're around all the time practicing and so on? And So I'm really starting to wonder, and they're talking about a second wave. And what happens now uh, during the season if 30 people on your team uh, has to be quarantined? How do you play the game? These are questions I have, so... I'm just not as positive because I'm not quite sure we're headed in the right direction. And what are the answers? If someone could please give me the answers, but no one's given me an answer, what if this happens? Or what if that happens? You know, it's not, I can understand not having people in the stands. I understand all that. Okay. But how do the players, how do you gauge that? How do you control that? I, I really don't know because it's something that uh, this thing is is for real. A lot of people don't think it's for real. A lot of people have it and don't even know they have it. So they could be spreading it. Uh, so who knows what really is going to happen. Now, I certainly hope all this I'm talking about doesn't happen because I'm, I love college football and I want college football. But there's still a lot of questions out there that I'm still waiting to hear someone answer. There are a lot of questions that are unanswered. There's a lot of, excuse me, data that we just don't know. We're seeing a lot of states open up. And I know, I think you want to try to do, you know, I personally, I try to do, to follow the guidelines. My mind is over it. It's like tired of three months of doing this, but I've been trying to do as much as I can that are kind of within the guidelines. Uh, Going hiking, you know, it's been great for me. It's been therapeutic. I'm out of the house. And you're, you're pretty socially distant. You're out hiking on a mountain. There's just not that many people around. Um, you have like a little, ma- you know, like I have a, like a little uh, mask thing that you would put up if you walk by someone on the trail. And, uh, you know, I, I, it's hard to be more socially distant than that um, when you're, if you're going to be outside. Uh, I do enjoy going out golfing. Again, another social, socially distant sport where you're, you're in a cart by yourself. There's, they've removed anything that you could touch on the golf course. So I'm trying to do like you're trying to be responsible, but it's also I'm not staying at home. I'm doing things that are like allowed in the guidelines. I've been to a couple of restaurants. Um, you know, they're open now. You're allowed to do that. But it's you're within your group at your table. You're not standing up, you know, interacting with people and things. But even is that too much? I don't know. But I, it's it's like we all have to do what you know. We It's like there's personal responsibility there. You're trying to do what's right. Um, not everyone is, but I think for a lot of people are. Is that enough? Is it is it overkill? I I just I just don't know at this point. But to ask a hundred you know college age football players plus all the other athletes that are going to be in the building uh, from other different sports to ask them to not 
do college, you know, college age person things, you know, where you're just going to go out and, uh, and go to a friend's apartment and have parties with people that maybe you're not in your quarantine bubble with. That's tough. And it's just, I, you know, I, it's, it's a lot to ask of those kids to, to do that. And like, can you, I, the NBA, it's smaller. They're going to be quarantined. Uh, they're going to be at the one location. I mean, for college football and the NFL, like there's a lot more dudes on the team. There's a lot more people they're going to be interacting with. It just seems like the circles are going to get wider and wider. I can see these workouts working for now, even though some of them aren't like where you're in these small pods and you're just working out. But at some point, coach, you have to expand that. And it's going to be the whole team is practicing together. That means if one dude screws up, it could infect everybody. Uh, it's just the more I'm thinking about it, it's like, man, this could be really, really tough. And maybe it's a thing where a whole bunch of guys get sick now and they're not sick during the season because there's more of a herd immunity or something on the team. But I, I, I mean, that almost to me, that seems like the most likely way to go forward is like a whole bunch of guys are getting sick now and then you don't have to worry about as much in the season. I don't know. I mean, don't have the answers, but I was pretty optimistic. Like, yeah, things are on schedule and they still are. But we saw Kansas State shut theirs down. Uh, they had to shut down for two weeks after, I think, 14 positive tests and some guys going out to parties. LSU had like 30 guys in quarantine. Some guys went to bars or something. I mean, there's there's a lot of that out there right now, Coach. And just me personally, I'm a little bit more pessimistic than I was that, hey, college football season is going to roll on. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I agree with you 100%. Listen, I've been a football coach, okay? And I've had 115, 130 kids, depending where I've been coaching. And uh, kids are kids. I mean, big bodies, but they're still kids. And you to get 130 kids to follow 100%, everybody get up in the morning. Everybody make sure you go to class in the morning. Everybody make sure you do this in the morning. Everybody make sure you go to study hall. Everybody make sure you go to nutrition. Everybody make sure... You get to the bus on time. Everybody make sure that you get your training, get your rehab. And I'm going to tell you something. That's not easy to do. Some of you are parents and you have two kids and you can't do it. Or three kids and you can't do it. 
Try it with 130 guys, okay, that are really special type of human beings anyway. I mean, uh, to play the game of football and to dedicate themselves to what they do, and they weigh 300 pounds, some of them run under kickoffs and hit somebody full speed. I mean, that takes a different type of cat, okay? And I'm going to tell you, they feel that they're, they can't be uh, hurt. They can't, this is the way you train them, and this is what they think about. So it's not an easy job. So uh, the way it's going right now with me, you know, I I, I only got one ankle taped, okay? <laughs> and I'll let you know when I tape that other ankle when I think it's going to happen. Right now, I had to take the tape off of one ankle last week, okay? Well, sorry to hear that, Coach. But, yes, it's, uh, I don't know. That, so here's the one aspect of it. Looking at players testing positive, and they're still working out in small groups. They're not. You have all these guidelines to follow, which makes sense. Um, and they're not working out with a full team, but guys are still getting sick. And it mostly seems from the, you know, you're not quarantining these players. You can't force, if this is all voluntary workouts. You can't force these players to do anything. But if a player goes out and gets sick, then he's putting a lot of other people in danger as well by bringing it back to the team and, and spreading it through there. So there's some personal responsibility there, but that's a lot to ask of a college football player that's not getting paid. But on the other hand, when you're talking about the money aspect of it, we do know that not having college football would be devastating for all these athletic departments. So I feel like there's still going to be a strong, hey, we're going to figure out a way to make it work sentiment out there to have a college football season. But if a whole bunch of guys are getting sick all the time, it's not a thing where like one or two players are sick and it shuts things down. But you get like, you know, a third of the team or a quarter of the team is getting the virus and they all have to be in quarantine for a couple of weeks. I mean, that's going to be a lot harder to play college football and they're doing the contact tracing. So, you know, t say 10 guys get sick, they all have their contact tracing things going on and that might infect another like 30 guys on the team that maybe don't have any symptoms and aren't sick, but because of contact tracing, they'd have to go into quarantine. So there's, I mean, it's just a really complicated thing. And, um, I don't know. I mean, and they, the, we have to watch the NBA. They're having trouble. You know, Florida spiking. That's like quarantining all these guys. You know, these you know million you know millionaire athletes. Um, they don't want to really be quarantined like that. There's some players are saying, "I don't want to go to Orlando," but that's like keeping everything you know tight in this bubble. You can't do that really in the NFL. I don't think you can't do that certainly in college football. It's it's just like man we. Obviously, a vaccine would be super helpful right now, but outside of that, it's harder to see this really working because football is such a, it's just a contact sport. You can't be socially distant and play football. Right, and then uh, for all of you that are listening to us, and especially me, uh, as far as what I'm saying, there's no one that wants college football more than I do. Both of us. I love college football. It's been around my life, my entire life. I, I owe my life to college football as far as an education and coaching and working with young people. But by gosh, uh, we got to get this thing. Uh, I just want some answers. I don't understand it on how they're going to have it work. Now, I hope it works, but it's a very difficult thing to sort of uh, visualize right now with me. And uh, I don't think I really thought about it i thought it might go away as far as the virus get caught up and people would get well and it would not be a second surge and we'd be able to handle it 
But now the numbers are coming back up again, and teams are having to quarantine people and so on. So I really start to wonder if it is going away. And that's why I had a little run for a minute ago as far as follow the rules and do what you're supposed to do and care about everybody else. And, and uh, maybe we'll be able to get through this. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I watch the news and I watch certain things and I don't see everybody doing that. And maybe some of you listening could tell me to go get, you know what, what you can do. But I really do think uh, that uh, you should consider not only yourself, but other people. And uh, if we're going to try to control this virus to a point where we were able to have football. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> I was hoping for some more positive news on that front, too, like on the medical side, like, hey, here's a vaccine or here's here's some treatment or here's some a blocker. Or, I don't know, something. Uh, but obviously we don't have that yet. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll continue to kind of keep you up to date on what's going on there. We had a question, an email from John in uh, La Crescenta, California. He says, love the coverage y'all are given of the new coaches. What about Sean Snyder? I haven't heard much from him or about him since his hire. Get your thoughts on that, coach. Well, uh, I agree with you. You got one of the top uh, special teams coach in the country, if not. Uh, as far as what he does and how well he does it, I have a lot of confidence in him. And I probably people don't talk about him because they know he's good. And they'll, uh, he'll find a way to get it done. And uh, I agree. Uh, people should talk about the special teams more than what we do. But until we have personnel on the field and we're able to do that, it's very difficult to see exactly what, can happen with special teams, what type of players he's going to use on special teams. There was only one day of practice as far as for spring ball at USC, which little, little of uh, much of, but a little bit of coverage, kickoff coverage, punt coverage, uh, a little field goal kicking and so on. So you don't know what personnel is being used or what they're going to allow him to use. And is it only going to be defensive players on special teams and things like that, which I tried to do especially on the defensive side of special teams, punting team, kickoff teams, and so on. I wanted people who played defense, who were used to uh, making tackles. We worked on the tackling drills, control drills, all the contained drills, and so on on the defensive side. I didn't want to put somebody just because they ran fast on a, a putt coverage team. There's enough people to run fast enough on the uh, defensive side of the football. So, but I know he knows what he's doing, so I really don't worry about that. So, you know, when you, you coach as many years as you have at Kansas State, and your father's a great coach, and, and Bill Snyder and so on, so I don't worry about that side. I really think that side of the football, as far as he's given the say on what's going on and the personnel of who he wants to use, I think special teams at USC is in good shape. I agree with you there, Coach, and uh, it's a good idea, though. We've had uh, several of the new coaches on our Tunnel Vision show, my Lunch with the Trojan show, the live video. We put up the podcast here on this feed as well, and that's a coach I could certainly look into getting on the show. So we'll do that. We went with uh, a current player last time. We're trying to get another current player for this week, and we'll let you know who that is soon. But we had Talano Hufunga on last week, and he was great. But we've had... Vic uh, Soto, we've had uh, Dante Williams. Um, yeah, we've had some coaches on there that's been really fun to talk to. We had Chris Claiborne 
uh, you know, come on recently too. But Sean Snyder would be a, a great addition to that. So uh, would love to hear about that. We've been personally, I've been someone that's talked about special teams quite a bit over the last few years about some of the uh, inadequacies, I guess you could say, some of the blunders that the special teams unit had made. So I think having a guy like Sean Snyder in there could be a, a huge boost uh, for USC. So we'll do about that. Um, let me, I got a voicemail for you, coach. Play it. Here you go. Hi, Curtis from Moreno Valley. This question is for the coach and Ryan Najee Harris, which will be the first running back that our defense has to face. Was a five star coming out of high school. He was the number one back in the class. Stephen Carr was the number two back in that class as a five star. But let's get back to what I called about. Najee Harris is about marquee step size and he likes to hurdle defenders that want to hit him low around the knees. Coach Hyde, how would you train your people, your defense, to tackle a back who likes to hop over people that want to take his legs out? Curtis from Moreno Valley. Well, Curtis, uh, because he's a big, strong kid, uh, a lot of uh, defensive backs or a lot of people who are smaller than him uh, are afraid to take the hit. He's afraid if he lowers his shoulder or whatever, he's going to run right over you anyway and get plus yardage. So they try to cut him out, cut him down by going low, full speed, and cutting his legs out, and he still falls forward for another yard or two. His momentum, he's, he's a great, great, great running back, okay? And he loves to run the football, and they believe in running the football at Alabama, so he gets a lot of practice at that. Look at the running backs they've had at Alabama and how they've all gone on into the NFL and been very successful. So you've got to teach uh, them to tackle higher, and you've got to teach them to dip their legs and come in with the shoulder so that they're not being the nail. They start to be the hammer where two hammers hit each other, and, and then you call for help. And you hope your help gets there. You got to swarm tackle a guy like this, especially if you're not as big as what he is, because he has a lot of momentum going forward when he gets a start. The farther he goes, you got to stop him before he gets started, that type of situation. And uh, once he gets started and he gets in the open area and he gets in downfield, it's pretty tough. You're going to try to cut him down, but it's one on one with you and him. And if you go at him and you don't tackle him, he's going to run right over you. So. You've got, you got to grab hold and wait for help. So, uh, But you've got to be able to be able to dip and keep your head up and wrap around him without targeting, of course, and be able to give a blow at the same time that he's going to give a blow. Because if you keep cutting him, he's going to hurl right over you. But he's learned that, that that's the way smaller people are going to want to tackle him. That's his part of being a great running back is understanding how people are going to knock you down. So uh, that's what I would suggest, and uh, I always used to say, just hang on until someone gets there. And uh, I think the main thing is to try to do that, but then again, tackle higher. Yeah, Najee Harris, man, what a stud coming out of uh, high school. And uh, it'll be interesting to see him, hopefully USC gets to play Alabama, interesting to see him uh, on the field. But we saw him on the 7-on-7 circuit, and man, he was just great. Like him and Stephen Carr were both pretty awesome uh, coming out of high school. Uh, let's see. We got another voicemail question for you, Coach. Here you go. Hey, guys. This is Evan from Tempe. Um, 
I was just thinking about recruiting the other day, and I know um, there is a recruiting podcast I listen to as well, but I want to know what you guys thought um, in terms of how far is it possible that USC's recruiting class can drop during the season. Um, I remember, I believe, in 2013, they dropped from the first-ranked uh, recruiting class before the season to the 13th, I believe. So um, I just kind of want to know what you guys think it would be, you know, if we were to stay um, with a top-four ranking, you know, if we had a bad season or whatever, or whatever it would be, how far do you think we could possibly drop back? So thanks a lot. Well, it's difficult to say how far they could possibly drop back. I think a lot of it, we've discussed this in the uh, past, is how they do in the football season. If they win in the football season and they're having a great season, uh, they won't drop down. They might even go forward and get higher because people want to be a part of the party. And they've now demonstrated they can be a top football team in the country like they have been in the past. And they got to continue recruiting at that level of four- and five-star type of players to do that. They can't be intimidated and think about what the worst is. you got to think about what the best is, and that's winning football games finding a way to dominate, finding a way to win, finding a way to get it done. Because winning solves everything. I've always said that it solves every type of problem you could have. Uh, People don't listen to the crybaby as much because you're winning. You call them a crybaby. The the, the winning as far as in the morale and the the donations and the morale of the student body and the media, you win that over by winning. Recruiting, uh, you get more players because you're winning. People want to be a part of the package. Uh, coaches get pay raises. Why they're winning? So winning answers everything and takes care of everything. So if USC wins, wins big, wins ten games, and so on, you'll stay where you are. If USC struggles or gets blown out by people or loses a couple of people they shouldn't lose to, you're going to see the rankings drop down. It's just natural. Those players will go somewhere else. Uh, right now, Oregon is on quite a roll. As far as the number, what do they have, 14 or nine four-star players? They're recruiting quality players. Why? They won last year. They went to the Rose Bowl last year. They have a quarterback draft in the first round. So right now, they're going to be able to continue with that momentum. That momentum continues with them. They're still having a great year, whether they lost coaches or not. Because people believe in their head coach and know head coach works harder than he does in recruiting. He understands that it's not him, it's the players. So it's the same thing with USC or UCLA or any school. you got to have players to win. And as long as you have great players and you coach those great players, you get them to show up and you develop them, you win. So it all comes down to winning. And as I said in the opening of this uh, question I just received, winning solves everything. So just win, and you won't drop down in recruiting. Yeah, I agree with you there, Coach. And uh, we had Rick and La Mirada sent in a similar question over email. I just want to remind everyone, too, that uh, most of the recruiting talk we're going to have is Gerard Martinez Recruiting Rant Podcast, which is for uh, you know, for our VIP members over at uscfootball.com. He goes into a ton of of detail. No one knows more about USC football recruiting than Gerard Martinez. He's just always on top of it. So make sure you go to the Peristyle, the, the premium message board over at uscfootball.com. He usually asks for questions on uh, Sunday or Monday, and people will put questions in a, a message board thread, and then he'll put out the podcast. And uh, yeah, like I said, for the VIP members, it's definitely worth it. If you love re- USC recruiting, he will go into a lot of detail for you. So I just want to let people know 
about that. All right, Coach. Well, good stuff today. Um, I wish we were a little bit more optimistic, but it can still turn around. Uh, every, you know, things are still on schedule. We know there's some you know workout start. We have. I think USC might be the last school to actually have players come back uh, in the Pac-12. Um, so we're still kind of waiting on an official word of when that's going to happen. And we haven't heard too many positive cases around the Pac-12, which is probably a good thing. Uh, there's some really good guidelines I feel like the Pac-12 is putting out. So they're trying to put all the players and coaches and trainers and everybody into a a good situation and uh, to get things rolling. Uh, I know some of the other programs across the country weren't doing as much testing as the Pac-12 is, is doing, where they're doing uh, uh, antibody and virus testing uh, every week for, for the players. So I think that's a good thing. Um, every day goes by, we get a little closer, but I'm, I'm hoping coach, I want to get more optimistic about the season. I, I don't know yet, but just talking to you, I feel a little more optimistic. So I, I'm good. I'm glad with that, that I want to be optimistic towards this, but hopefully we get some positive news over the next week or so. And things are start going back in the right direction. I feel just like you do, buddy, because nobody wants football more than you and I do. And all of our listeners out there, they wouldn't be listening to the show. But I think we've got to get a few answers. We've got to be careful. We've got to continue with what our goals are and hope it all happens. And, uh, uh, you know, what can I say? I'm just waiting like you are and everybody else to see exactly what does happen, you know? Yeah. But uh, we'll see what happens. USC offered last week uh, for people that uh, uh, wanted their money back for tickets that you could get those. That'd be a good topic to talk about sometimes, too, because I'll have an answer for you on that. Yeah, well, uh, so that yeah, that was all sent out, um, I guess, a week or so ago or a little less than that. So we can talk about that in our future show. If you have any questions, like keep emailing us, podcast at uscfootball.com, like we said. Um, and we do appreciate you all out there listening during these uncertain times. We keep trying to bring you shows and keep you up to date on uh, what's going on in the world of uh, USC football. But that's the coach. I'm Ryan. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. And we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 